The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Hey podcast listeners, we're back. And if you're listening to this, that means that you're back too. And we're glad for that. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman. I'm here with another pastor on the Grace staff, uh, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today? I'm doing well. And I'm so happy that the podcasters are are listening. Or they're not podcasters, they're listeners. We're the podcasters. I th- I th- can you use that word on both sides? That's a great question. Do you podcast? Uh, if I asked you that question, oh, yeah. would you would you would you hear? Podcast. Do I make a podcast or do you listen to podcasts? I would. My head goes to. Do you make a podcast? See, However, mine goes could, the other way. I so other I, I think too. it could be both. Man, we've lost any of the listeners that we had are now <laughs> gone. <laughs> are you podcasters? <laughs> We're podcasters. This might be the fastest know. we've ever lost <laughs> listeners. Because <laughs> we tried to define podcast in a podcaster. Who is a podcaster? The listener or the creator of the content? I bet we could Google it and then someone out there would tell us. But There's someone who thinks they've got the definitive answer on this, perhaps. Write into us and tell us what you think about the, the term podcaster. Way to, way to get the listener slash podcaster's involved hey, in this, this is discussion. my language now that my kid watches youtube videos all the time he's like click subscribe hit the like button <laughs> just in general conversation <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i mean that all the time but so hey write in tell us what you think <laughs> you gotta give you gotta give a call to action every once in a while there so, we go there it is <laughs> other call to action is we hope that you read matthew chapter 15 uh, because that's what we're going to be discussing today we're glad that you're joining us on on this journey. Let's jump in. Jesus uh, is is interacting with some Pharisees and has this kind of, you sort of have to read this twice, or at least I did, to really understand what's going on. The Pharisees have these laws um, that they've made up, and then they start accusing Jesus' disciples of not following uh, the laws. How come your disciples aren't washing their hands? How come your disciples aren't doing the things that everyone um, is supposed to be doing, um, and Jesus has a pretty pointed response for them. Yeah, he he responds with this statement, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Um, so in other words, here here's a, a tradition, a law that you have made, but now he kind of turns the tables on them, but why do you then uphold those laws and yet break God's commands? Yeah, And he gives the example, uh, we talked about this a little ahead of time, but he gives the example of honoring your father and mother, God says this, and yet the Jewish tradition, the elders of the law and, and teachers of the law have made this rule that if you dedicate something to God, you can't then use that to help your parents who are in need. So Jesus' point is, so you're going to follow one of your man-made rules and ignore your parents because you made this this pledge, and yet and that at the end you're going to end up denying God's command and breaking that command. So what is what is really more loving to do what is to follow God's commands, which are meant to show love to God and to others, or to keep your own rules for the sake of keeping your own rules. Right. Yeah, he, he puts it on pretty clear display 
um, you're following the, the rules of, of the elders. Um, I'm teaching my disciples to follow the rules of God. And then he quotes uh, Isaiah. Uh, there, this is a pretty often quoted Old Testament passage. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And uh, here we're hundreds of years later, uh, but I think Jesus really hits the nail on the head. Your teachings are, are these human rules, and you think that by obeying them, he says to the Pharisees, you're getting closer to God. You think that you're pleasing God, um, but really you're showing just how far from him your hearts really are. Yeah, and I think it's just good for us to think about too. Uh, sometimes we can get into that same kind of thinking. You know, we get into these traditions, um, whether they're in our family or in our churches, of things that we just do. And and sometimes they can get to the point of almost like becoming a law that we have to do things this way. We have to always, you know, treat one another this way or whatever it is. But um, to remember, God doesn't care so much about the sacrifices. Yes, He wants our our our, our love, our honor, our offerings, our gifts to Him. But at the same time, he doesn't want us to neglect the the fact that he blesses us so that we can show love and honor to one another. And God would rather have our hearts that are faithful to him than just traditions. And yeah. that's important for us to keep in mind. Um, yeah, it makes me think of of like worship practices. Sure. And there's good reason that we follow a liturgical format and good reason that worship looks the way we do and and it does and and we do the things that we do but if they become just the motions we go through or if they become we're better because we go through these motions um then we're missing the point um the 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 worship practices are designed to point people's hearts towards jesus and and to um incentivize or or to, to push them i should say towards seeing jesus um but if it turns into just i'm gonna be inward and i'm just gonna think about myself um, then hearts are, are being driven further away from, from the Lord. Absolutely. I mean, God's law was always meant to to give us an opportunity to show love to God and to other people um, out of honor and respect for what Jesus has done for us. And so if I lose sight of Jesus because I'm so wrapped up in these rules and laws, then I'm missing the point. And, yeah. uh, and that's what Jesus' point here is. It makes me think of another... Um, quote from Jesus, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right. he says in a different place. and um, He would rather love be shown than laws be followed in an unloving way. And I think that's the point here. There's this loophole for dedicating to God that might prevent a person from honoring their father and mother. Well, he'd rather have the mercy. He'd rather have the the following of that real command than the motions of, of the commands of the elders. Exactly. He then continues um, by uh, you know recognizing the Pharisees are offended by what Jesus said because he's kind of attacking their their rules, right? Their man made rules that they have been following, and, and we can be offended in that way too, uh, in a lot of ways. But um, he he calls them out, and the disciples are, are kind of wondering, well, how do you know this and everything else? And Jesus just then goes on to talk about what goes into a person um, is not what makes them unclean, but it's what comes out of a person. And it's, it's not what we put into our body, but it's what comes out of my heart that is really the, the concern that Jesus has before us. And, and so he just talks about the things that come out of our mouths and, and our hearts. And he goes on to list the number of the sins that come from our evil thoughts and, um, and things. And talks about those are the things that defile, defile us, these sins. 
it's not so much eating with one washed hands as he brings it full circle, but it's really what makes us unclean are the, the sinful thoughts and attitudes and actions that we have. Yep. The uh, Canaanite woman story is always one that fascinates me. Just the, the dialogue that that Jesus has with this woman, and that's the story that Matthew records next. Maybe the first thing just to, to recognize in this account is that she's a Canaanite woman. Um, and why is that significant? It, it's because she's a Gentile. And and that kind of helps us understand a little bit more of the conversation, I think, as we, we go through this, because it's kind of a striking conversation in a lot of ways um, as, as we go through it. So I'll let you walk us through it. But uh, just having the back of your head as, as Pastor Ackman leads you through this, that this woman is is not a Jewish person. She's a, she's a Gentile outside of the nation of Israel. Yeah. So somehow she's learned who Jesus is, and, and we're kind of familiar with this is sort of a refrain that we've seen several times repeating Jesus is coming into a territory or region and people bring their sick or they come to him with their needs. Uh, this woman has a need. Her daughter is demon possessed and, and suffering a lot as a result. Um, and so she comes in and asks Jesus if he'd be willing to heal her. And Jesus doesn't respond at first, I think setting the stage for uh, this, this expression of faith. Um, even to the point where the disciples ask, should we do something about this, this lady, this nagging lady who's, who's continuing to shout and continuing to, to make a scene. Um, I, I find it really striking what Jesus says. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Um, man, that just makes it seem like this woman has no shot, (laughs) but she knows better. She knows what Jesus is saying, that his primary objective was to, um, proclaim himself as the Messiah of, of God's chosen people, that he was the one who who was foretold by their scriptures, and um, he came as a savior to them, but not exclusively to them, also to be the, the savior of the world. Um, this woman understood that, and she persisted. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's really striking. This this idea at the beginning where Jesus didn't say anything, and yet she kept crying out, and the disciples are like, "Let's get rid of her." She keeps crying out. Well, she kept crying out because she recognized, like you said, who Jesus was as as Lord and Savior. And and so when Jesus at the end says, um, "It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs," that almost sounds offensive. Like seriously, just are you calling this woman and the Canaanite people a bunch of dogs? Um, but but the woman understands this. Right, and it's not an insult to her, but but basically says, "But I will just take the crumbs that fall off the table. That's all I want from you, Jesus, because I know who you are and what you can do." And uh, at the end of this, Jesus Jesus recognizes the great faith that this woman has. You know, it's really interesting to me in this this account too is that Jesus only on two occasions um, has gives great credit credit to great faith, commends people on their faith. This Canaanite woman here. And then also the centurion who came to Jesus to heal his his servant. And both of these, the unique thing about it is that they are both um, Gentile people. They're not Israelite people. And so he commends them for their faith. Um, that's the only two times that he says, you have such great faith. That's a really interesting point. I suppose he he says your faith has healed you. He he gives credit to the faith of of some people. But you're saying, like, he c- commends the the. Le- yeah, like you, you, have have this, you have this great Like compliments great them like, because of yeah. their faith. Yeah, and that compliment's only thrown out twice, and it's the Gentile people. And so it's to two people who weren't even Israeli people. That's fascinating. Yeah. And she becomes a model now for us. 
can model that same persistence and that same understanding as we speak to him, as we bring our request to him, as we look to him as the one who who can heal our diseases and and promises us his protection and care. Absolutely. Jesus feeds 4,000 is the next uh, the next record. But wait a minute, didn't Jesus just feed 5,000? He did just so feed 5,000. Is so this, is this a contradiction or did he actually feed two large groups of people? This is uh, a separate event. We know that because of um, the fact that it's recorded here separately in different contexts and circumstances. Actually, spoiler alert for next chapter's um, account, Jesus actually cites those two ref- those two events side by side so so reassures us there or answers the question for sure this isn't just a, a retelling of the same story but actually two two separate events but it sure sounds familiar doesn't it absolutely it's what seven loaves of bread seven loaves of bread and a few, few fish. small fish instead of five and two you know, another thing that sets this one apart as a little bit more unique too is is we're told that this crowd had been with Jesus for about three days already and, and really okay. nothing to eat in that time too. So um, we're not really told how long, I guess with the, the 5,000, I always assumed that was kind of like a one-day deal. But here we're told it's maybe a little bit more drawn out um, with this crowd. But, you know, another thing that strikes me with this is that Jesus still asks the disciples, where can we get enough bread in this remote place for food? And the disciples say... Or the disciples say, where could we get enough bread um, in this to feed this crowd? And it's almost like, did you not, are you not recalling what Jesus has already done with five small loaves of bread <laughs> and, and two fish? Don't you think he could do that again, right? So, man, I, my first thought I would like to think would go like, hey, Jesus, we, we found a couple loaves of bread. Can you do what you did hey, earlier? Say your magic formula almost, and turn this right. It's almost like they've, have, you, have they forgotten? I, I can't necessarily say that for sure, but again, Jesus amazes us um, with this this you know amazing miracle that he performs. We have the benefit of being able to put all these stories side by side and be able to read them just a few chapters apart. Um, and often we get that question: Why? How could they be so dense? How could they not have remembered, understood, known who Jesus was? But um, if we look at the record of our lives, we find could ask that question in, in in many scenarios in our lives too. Have we forgotten who Jesus is? Why is it that we grow into despair when something bad happens? Why is it that we, uh, and, and aren't we just as guilty of forgetting Jesus and forgetting his promises as well? Yeah. It, and I think that's striking because how often have you not come to church on a Sunday morning um, or a Bible study and you heard God's word and it hit your heart and you're like, yeah, I'm going to change my heart and my life. And then like literally three hours later, you, you're wrapped up in some kind of sin or you've totally forgotten. Right. And it's just like, oh, how stupid can I be? You know, we can kind of get that. The disciples sometimes were like that too. Not to excuse it, but um, it's the it's the battle with the sinful nature and the new man that God creates in us. And that's a very real battle. Right. And instead of Jesus pointing at the disciples and saying, how how can you be so dumb and get away from me? Yeah. Um, instead, he, in grace and love, gives them the miracle again. <laughs> Some to see it right. again. He patiently and lovingly um, continues to display his power, continues to show them who he is, continues to allow them to be the front row witnesses of his greatness and, and uh, allows their ears to be the ones that 
daily here, that gospel message. Yeah. Um, oh, and the, and they get to see the, the striking miracle here. And, and what hits me here is just, one, you have the compassion of Jesus that he has for this crowd of people. And we see this time and time again. Why does Jesus heal? Why does he provide? Because he's a compassionate God. He sees our needs and he wants to help. I mean, that's what struck God to send his son, Jesus, into this world anyways. God sees our need and sin and, and wants to help by sending the Savior. And, and God is just a compassionate God. But two, just how greatly and richly God blesses with abundance. I mean, here you have so much food left over after thousands of people have eaten that you have seven baskets full when there was nothing really to begin with. And uh, it's just a reminder of how richly God continue to, continues to bless us physically and spiritually and, and with the things we need for eternal life. It's just amazing. Good stuff. You might even say, this, this is, is most, most certainly true. true. Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.